Amen. Tonight we're going to talk about uh, the new covenant. Um, and to do so, we're going to start talking about the old covenant. Um, we're going to be spending the majority of our time in Jeremiah 31. Uh, we'll be in Hebrews 10. And then we'll move on to Matthew. But we're going to start in Jeremiah. Jeremiah was an Old Testament prophet. And can you imagine how thrilled he was? The moment that God gave him a prophetic vision and word about the new covenant. See, prior to this, the church and the children of God, they operated under an old covenant. And that old covenant was very hard to keep. Darn near, let's call it impossible. No one ever kept the covenant. There were hundreds upon hundreds. Let's just round up. There were a thousand rules that needed to be kept as a part of the old covenant. And anytime you tried to measure up, the feeling was consistent across the board. We couldn't measure up. So the moment that Jeremiah got the vision from God of a new covenant and how profoundly different it was in the ways it was radically different from the old covenant, can you imagine how thrilled he was? In this new covenant that he saw and that you and I have found, what has been delivered to us is a new hope. Now, if we look at this graphic... um, you don't see Star Wars in there. Um, it's just a random scattering of like star clouds and stuff. Um, and 10% uh, change mandates that it's not a copyright infringement, so we're good with, with Lucas and Disney. But our hope is found in Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ was the one who embodied and delivered and brought forth the new covenant. Jeremiah 31, 31 says this, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. The prophet Jeremiah prophesied a new covenant that God made with his people. And in Jeremiah chapter 31, we read of the prophecy of this new covenant. So what was new? We call it the new covenant. What was new about what Jeremiah saw? Everything. Absolutely everything. And what he saw, he knew that we would now be enabled to have a permanent, living, personal relationship established between God and a sinful people who continuously and predictably, again and again, fell short of an old covenant. There were huge weaknesses in the old covenant. And I'm going to talk about three of them and contrast them to the new covenant. So first of all, in the old covenant, the law was external. It was external. What do I mean by that? It was a law that was handed down but never received inside. It was given forth and laid out before you but never internalized. There were these huge amounts of laws that needed to be kept that hovered just dauntingly over God's people as a constant reminder that we did not measure up. But when Jeremiah looked forward with God's eyes, he saw this, verse 33, for this is the covenant 
that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. How awesome is that? In the new covenant, God promises to put my law in their minds, to put my law in their hearts, to write it upon their hearts. Anybody want to guess how this happens? How about the promise of the Holy Spirit? The promise of the Holy Spirit who will come, who will reside in us, who will abide in us, and will guide us into all truth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who is the fulfillment of this new covenant. So the Holy Spirit resides in us. So now, as, as part of this change in this new covenant, it's internal. It's not external. It's not on the outside. It's not imposed upon us. It's birthed within us. And it thrives. Friends, our relationship with God and the walking out of a new covenant has nothing to do with obligation. It has everything to do with affection. It comes from within. It comes from within. See, love can't be faked. Love can't be external. It has to be something that's here and that just makes its way out. It can't be faked. And I will be their God. And they will be my people. That is what happens when the Holy Spirit takes up residence inside of us. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit just consumes the hearts and the lives of believers. No longer external, but now 100% internal. As God lives right here, as He resides inside of us. The second weakness in the Old Covenant was this. In the Old Covenant, the huge, overwhelming majority of Israelites and, and followers of God could never have professed to know the Lord. To know the Lord. Sure, a few all-stars, a few just stars of the faith, you know, David, um, Isaiah, could say, I knew the Lord. But for, for the most of the people that followed this covenant, they couldn't make that profession. Because see, when they needed to have contact with the Lord, they went to a prophet, they sought a prophet, they went to a priest. But that direct access to the Lord that you and I have, of being able to know Him and know His heart, didn't exist. How thrilled must I, uh, Jeremiah have been when the Lord revealed to him in the New Covenant, verse 34, that no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and, and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. They shall all know me. And then I love that it's clarified, from the least, from the least, See, when we feel like the least, we know who that's referring to. When we have those times when we feel unqualified or unworthy or we feel down and we feel like the least and we hear this, we hear the Lord saying, I'm talking to you. You may feel like the least, but you can know me and I you. From the least to the greatest, declares the Lord. From the children to the adults, from the unworthy to 
the unworthy. The chance to know God personally. That is something in which every believer should celebrate and we should never take this lightly. To know God personally. Friends, that's what makes it different than religion. That's what makes it relationship because we know Him. He's made Himself available to us. You can't know me unless I make myself available to you. You can't. And I can't know you unless you make yourself available to me. And, and the creator of the universe, our God, has made himself available to us. There's a world of difference between knowing about God and knowing God, right? Knowing about God and knowing God. God wasn't, doesn't want us to just know about him. In the old covenant, they knew about him through other people, but now we get to know him. Jesus came to make the Father what? Known. To make the Father known. And Jesus came to enable us to know the Father. It is a priceless, priceless, unbelievable blessing of the new covenant. But in all of this, in everything that we've shared so far, all of this is based on the third characteristic which Jeremiah saw would define a new covenant. And that is this. That it would bring forgiveness of sins. Still in Jeremiah 31 and still in verse 34. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. I will forgive their wickedness. I will forgive their unfaithfulness. I will forgive their negligence. I will forgive the hard-heartedness. I will forgive all and remember their sins no more. The third and biggest weakness in the Old Covenant was this. The Old Covenant sacrificial system did not bring about the forgiveness of sins. In fact, the, the Old uh, Testament form of sacrificial service to the Lord was a reminder of the sins. On a yearly basis, the reminder of our sins, the reminder of how much you didn't add up. In fact, I'm going to connotate it and say, you've got to bring this animal or this many amount of animals and you've got to show up with this sacrifice because of what you've done. I'm reminding you of what you've done. This is the tally of what you did this year, of last year. Here it is. Show up to the temple with this many sacrifices. You had a bad year. Or you had a good year. You're down like like three goats instead of six from last year. Way to go. And in this new covenant, the Lord showed Jeremiah, I will remember their sins no more. There's no account. There's no account. There's no tally. There's no list. There's no Excel spreadsheet. I will remember their sins no more. Hebrews 10, verse 1 says this, For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, they would not have ceased to be offered, since the worshippers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins. But in these sacrifices... 
there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. The sacrificial system of old pointed forward to the sacrifice of Christ that would come and that would take away the sins of the world. As we just read, the writer of Hebrews said that the law could never by the same sacrifices repeated year after year make perfect those who draw near to worship God. Those sacrifices were inadequate. They fell short. If they were adequate, if they were if they were full and complete, then they wouldn't have stopped doing it. It would still be taking place. And that those sacrifices are a reminder of sins, not a forgiver of sins. Then he said it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Only through what can our sins be taken away? Next verse. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, behold, this is Jesus talking to the Father. Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. When he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that, we will have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. Once and for all. Once and for all. Not on a yearly basis. Not based on a reminder that you didn't measure up again. Once and for all. By the sacrifice, the offering of Jesus Christ. The new covenant does away with the old covenant. He does away with the first to establish the second. Those three great blessings of the new covenant foreseen by Jeremiah but never before achieved were going to be brought forth one way and one way only. Brought to the world by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. God's will would be written on their hearts through an indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That was that first promise of this new covenant, right? Written, God's will, written within us. So it's not, a, it's not a list of what we have to do. That, that what's written within us isn't a list of what we need to do. It's part of our DNA that we respond with his heart. When someone's like, why are you doing that? My father's heart. I'm just being true to what my father's heart is. This is what he put within me. And so I'm showing love. I'm showing kindness. I'm, I'm being obedient, not out of obligation, but I, I know it pleases him, and I know that it'll touch others with his love, and so, so I'm doing it. Because he's written it on our heart. Number two, it said that men and women could personally know God. Friends, if we don't, know, if we don't personally know God, let's just change that. 
Let's change that by running to Him. Let's just change it by, by, by just spending time with Him. Personally know God. Ask Him. I mean, how awesome is it? That the simple act of going, Father, I want to know You. Make Yourself known to me. Maybe you pick up His Word. Maybe you turn on some worship music. Maybe... You know, you just you know pray and just talk and commune with him, and then you stop and you listen. But he's faithful to make himself known. And then three, that sins would be forgiven and what? Forgotten. I, I love the idea of if I did something yesterday and I repented, I'm like, Lord, Lord, I just I grab a hold of your forgiveness. And I, I repent from that way of thinking, Lord God, that resulted in those actions. And I, I receive your forgiveness. I, I know that your forgiveness is mine, so I receive it. So Lord, just, um, you know, Lord, just forgive me. And we walk it out. Then maybe the next day we're beating ourselves up again. We're like, Lord, forgive me for what I did yesterday. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, yeah, you do, Lord. What I did? No, I don't know what you're talking about. Lord, you remember it? No, I don't. Lord, when I came to you yesterday and I, I said I did this. He's like, I, just come here. You big, goofy, silly, cute thing. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. When it says he for, forgets our sin, that's what he's talking about. I've forgiven you and I've forgotten about it. There's no record of it and it will never be thrown up in your face again. Ever. Jeremiah sees this. How in the He's got to be giggling while he's writing this. When we read Jeremiah 31, again, we've got to see. I mean, he's got to be thrilled to go, oh my gosh, everything new about this new covenant. Everything is new. That is our God. And who do you think knew this better than anyone? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. He, he knew the old covenant. And he knew what the Father spoke about the new covenant. And he knew that his life was embodying that new covenant. I want to read a passage of Scripture where that we'll see the table set for the most historic transition ever from the old covenant to new covenant. Matthew 26, 17. Now on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Where will you have us prepare for you to eat the Passover? He said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had directed them. And they prepared the Passover. We find Jesus talking with the disciples, preparing to meet with them to celebrate the Passover. The Passover, which every good Jew would do and celebrate. It was, the reminder was, it's celebrating the Passover, how the, the, how death was passed over them by, by the blood that had been placed on our doorpost and lamb that had been eaten and partaken of and death had passed over them. And so it was very, their dinner that we're talking about. It's not, it's not a potluck. It's like, Michael, what are you bringing? Uh, pork enchilada. It's great. Awesome. I've never, I mean, you know, most of the guys can't eat it, but you know, Michael can eat it. And you know, you're going to bring popcorn shrimp great and you're, you know, bringing 
chips and salsa? Dude, make something other than chips and salsa. Make something. Don't bring chips and salsa. And it's not what it is. It's very, you know, this was eaten for this reason. This was eaten for this reason. This paste, the pomegranates and apples and nuts was mashed together to represent the paste of the, of the blood that was put over the... I mean, it was very intentional. And it's during this time that Jesus absolutely... I mean, the epitome of flipping up the script is what he did in the midst of this celebration. In verse 26, it says, Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body. And he took a cup and we had given thanks. He gave it to them saying, Drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. If you'll notice in Jeremiah 31, what was not mentioned in the new covenant was blood. Which is strange. Which is odd. Because the huge majority of covenants made between God and man included blood. And in Jeremiah 31, there's no mention of blood. Because how do you describe the blood of the Lamb of God? How do you incorporate that into a description of a new covenant? But here Jesus says, new covenant? You've heard it prophesied? You know of it prophesied? It's my blood. It's my blood. Drink of it. Totally deviates from the routine, the schedule of that. Earlier, we see that he told his disciples, hey, I'm going to be crucified. Like He told them, I was going to die, and, and what way I was going to die. He had told them this earlier in that day. I don't think they believed him. If they believed him, I think it would have been a different response. Friends, how many times do we hear something about Jesus paying the price for our sin, but yet our actions don't follow what we say we believe? Do we really believe and understand the depth of the fact that he took our sins and he paid for it with his blood? So for us to walk around in shame, or us to walk around doing the same things we used to do, states that we must not truly believe what he's done and that we're free and that we're not bound to that we're not chained to that Jesus makes it abundantly clear how this new covenant would be brought about and that it would be sealed with not with the blood of animals but with his own blood it was his life, not some animal as days of old or as current days up to that point that is the ultimate sacrificial offering, but he was. And it confirms and establishes the new covenant. And now Jesus tells his disciples, drink of it, all of you. Drink of it, all of you. This is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Why why does he say for many for the forgiveness of sins? Why doesn't he say for all 
for the forgiveness of sins. Because not all will drink of the cup. Not all will drink of the cup. Drink of the cup, all of you. Drink of the cup. Share with me. Receive this. Receive my blood. Not all will drink of the cup. Not all will receive the completed work of Jesus Christ and apply it in their lives. But as many as who will, they shall be called the child of God. They shall be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of Jesus shall be saved. Friends, we don't celebrate the Passover anymore. And for good reason. We celebrate the Lord's Supper. We celebrate the Lord's Table. We celebrate communion. We don't remember that that we were we were spared and, and that, that our sins that night were, were overlooked because of that blood. We, we go, all of my sins have been forgotten because of the blood of the Lamb. For those of us who have drank of this cup and have placed our trust in Jesus Christ, the communion or the Last Supper must replace the Passover as a lasting remembrance of our covenant with God. This is why we make it available. Normally, as Andy said earlier, normally it's right there in that little cutout area and we have it available every week as a form of worship. And we say you don't have to be a member of this church. You just have to have a relationship with God. You just have to have laid claim to the covenant where that you can have a relationship with God, where you can know Him. That's all we ask. I don't care what church you go to. Just have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And come celebrate Him and the life that we have in Him. The Old Covenant remembered that they were still sinners. The New Covenant remembers that our sins have been forgiven and forgotten. If there's anyone here tonight that hasn't drank of that cup, that hasn't placed their trust in Him, that hasn't received His washing away of of our sins and it hasn't entered into relationship with Him, then just respond to Him. Don't respond to me. Don't respond to a moment. Don't respond to, to you know, a nice playing of the guitar. Just respond to God. Respond to God and, and right now say, I place my trust in you. I believe you. I give you my life. Right there. You don't even have to close your eyes. A tear doesn't have to be shed. We don't have to close eyes and raise hands. Or I mean, there's so many ways. But it's just, it's got to start from something right here that you're like, yes, yes, Lord. I say yes to you. So we will just take a brief moment. If you've never placed your trust in Him, and you've never received His grace and His life and His love, just respond right now and say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I give you my life. And I receive yours. And I enter into this new covenant, this new seal, this new relationship with you. And this is what we do in remembrance of him. Luke twenty two nineteen and 20. And Jesus took bread and we had, when he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this 
in remembrance of me. How cool is that? Now he's telling us what he wants us to remember. Remember that I was given for you. Don't remember your sins, because I don't. Remember that I was given for you. And do this in remembrance of me. Celebrate this in in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is, is the new covenant in my blood. 